0: Athlete Peeps Podcast with your host, Mark Fernald. Hello, Athlete Peeps. So excited today. I am rubbing my hands together. Those of you, probably many of you who do not know me well yet, know that when I get really excited, I rub my hands together feverishly and start a small fire in my hands. And the reason being is because I am really lucky and honored to have Katie Donigan on as one of my first podcast guests and Katie is a remarkable woman she was part of a group that set a world record for having the highest elevation official soccer match ever played in the world and the way I came to to meet Katie is an interesting story too so To start this podcast, her husband, Alan Donigan has become a very important person in my life. He has really been uh, the one that has pushed me to move forward with my podcast. And lo and behold, his wife is a world record holder. So without further ado, I want to get right into it. It takes us obviously a little while to kind of get our bearings, but the story is just absolutely remarkable, and I really hope you enjoy it. Hello, Katie. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. I'm excited to talk to you about sports and everything.
0: So I'm sure anyone listening has picked up on your accent, and never would I have imagined when I first came conceptualized the athlete peeps podcast that i would have a soccer player from england for one of my first podcasts
1: i'm very exotic <laughs>
0: it's very cool so <laughs>
1: I'm not a soccer player though mark i'm a football player
0: A football player yes i yeah, and that is another thing i think we'll have to work on is is uh the, the translating because I, I you know I, i've done a little studying and i understand that there's uh, the field is called a pitch correct yes yeah yes and then there's football and soccer and and what other things might
1: um I don't wear cleats I wear boots
0: you're kidding boots huh
1: yeah um i think you guys call it a uniform don't you as in what you wear to play we do we'd call it kit
0: kit so uh... so every once in a while as we go through we may have to work on our Translating a little bit.
1: Yes, and do please tell me if I say something weird that you you're like, what does that mean? I I will translate.
0: Very good, very good. So I thought we'd uh, we'd start. So uh, football slash soccer is your sport. So uh, one thing that's fascinating to me is here in the United States, it is a popular sport. It is not the most popular sport, but what I understand from England and Europe and uh, other surrounding countries, it is the sport. So uh, could, could you tell a little bit about how that culture, how that really, uh, how it has evolved and and why it is the way it is?
1: Yeah, football's massive over here. Um, it's easily the most popular sport in the UK. Um, primarily although it's changing um, for boys and men playing football. Um, when I was growing up, I I joined a team when I was about eight years old. My dad managed to find me a local team to play with, but there weren't many teams around. So, we, so whereas nowadays I'm playing every week, um, in those days I was playing um, every other week or maybe every third week and you'd have to play the same team's, um, not only twice, sort of home and away games, you'd play them three or four times just because there weren't the, the weren't enough teams to play. Um, and part of that is um, a shocking decision by the by the English Football Association in the I believe it's in the fifties that women and girls were banned from playing on FA Football Association pitches fields. Um, so that really disrupted the growth of the game, and it meant that you know there just wasn't the same teams around because they weren't they just weren't allowed to play. Um, so,
0: what was the cause for the the ban?
1: Um, I think well, there's mixed views on why, um, whether it was political or whether it was you know this isn't um this isn't a very lady like pursuit and ladies should be you know looking after their husbands and their families at home not out on the football pitch um yeah and it 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 really affected women's football obviously in, in the UK and took and we're still recovering from it because the ban was lifted i believe in the 80s um but yeah just to to try and get the growth sort of starting again in terms of the popularity of the game for women I mean in the meantime the men's sport is is massive um and yeah it is very common for for boys and men to be playing
0: so, do you get exposure to other sports? like did you have the opportunity for basketball and field hockey and lacrosse and some of these other sports? Were they available at all?
1: When I was at school, I was super keen. I played every single sport that i could that I could get my hands on, so I did athletics and I did um touch rugby i did yeah, I did hockey. Again called Rounders, um which is sort of similar to softball. Okay. Uh, um I, was, I played some tennis, yeah, I played I played everything. I was I was super keen.
0: And that was available to you at, at age eight as well?
1: Um this was at school, so this was more when I was in secondary school, which is sort of age eleven to eighteen. Okay. Um, but when I was young, I did play cricket as well. Which are you familiar with cricket?
0: A little bit. I've got uh, I've got a few on television here and there. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd like a, a full definition for sure.
1: <laughs> it's not the most thrilling game to watch. It's that one where there's a wicket that's probably I don't know about twenty, thirty foot long. Um, you have the two batsmen in the middle one at each end of the wicket, and they have to protect the stumps from the bowler who comes and tries to hit the stumps. Um, and then there's, I think, 11 uh, on the opposition, so the bowler and the fielders who try and get the ball and catch the, the batsman out by getting their stumps while they're running backwards and forwards between the wickets. I don't know if I've given the best description there. So,
0: <laughs> is it similar? I mean, the only thing it looks similar to an American sport would be baseball or softball. Is that not close? No. <laughs> is there an equivalent? Is there anything relative to it?
1: It's one of those bizarre sort of English sports slash Commonwealth sports. So it's popular in India and Pakistan and Australia and um, South Africa.
0: Yeah, because when I've seen it, it, it's it's that. that. So what you say, defending the stump there, it looks like yeah. a, a batsman. So yes. someone's trying to pitch, and he's trying to fight off pitches, basically, is what it looks like from an American's view.
1: Yes. Um, so I played that briefly when I was growing up as well, when I was probably about the same age, eight or nine. But then the games clashed at the weekend. They were both played on a Sunday. So I had to choose between football and cricket and football won pretty easily.
0: And so then that takes you to setting world records, right? Which (laughs) (laughs) I I don't even know where to get started with that story because there's just so many uh, components. Um, I, I guess, so how did it all come to be? How did you end up saying yes to go and establish a world record in football slash soccer.
1: I went to university with a lady called Maggie, Maggie Murphy, um, and I was scrolling down my Facebook feed, as you do, one day. Um, It's funny, actually, because at the time, and still now, I I very rarely went onto Facebook. Um, So I just, by chance, was on Facebook scrolling down and saw this advert from Maggie saying we are going to break the world record for the highest altitude football match ever played do you want to be involved and I thought yes I do (laughs) Um, so I messaged her and it'd been a while since I'd since I'd seen her it was probably oh at least 10 years maybe since I'd seen her um and said yes I want to I want to join sign me up um, so it was it was quite a a fluke that I actually saw her message and got involved. So I'm I'm thankful that I went onto Facebook that day.
0: So, uh, it, Kilimanjaro, correct, is the the mountain that you
1: you yes. climb there?
0: And from what Google tells me, over nineteen thousand feet in the air, is that correct? Yes. So, it, have you all- ha- had you ever hiked such a height before
1: um no <laughs> <laughs> i um i always remember going to santa fe in new mexico and we drove from albuquerque and we drove straight there so we sort of wound our way up to santa fe and the next day alan my husband and i were just exhausted and didn't know why we were so tired and then we realized we were suffering from altitude sickness um obviously very mild but um was not something like that I had experienced before. And I certainly had never climbed any mountains um, before, other than sort of gentle day hikes up a, a hill. I don't think you could call it a mountain. Um, so it was all a brand new experience for me.
0: So you decided to go from 1,000 feet to 19,000.
1: Yeah, why not? <laughs> Jump right uh, in with both feet.
0: That is awesome. So how did you train for this? Did you train for this?
1: I did. I live in an apartment block that has 19 floors. We live on the fifth floor and I climbed to the top of the stairs. So it's 359 steps, not that I counted. Um, (laughs) and also got um, a weighted vest. So I, I would wear a 20-kilo weighted vest, which I guess is, what, 44 pounds, um, and would climb all the way to the top of the stairs. So that was one way. I, I generally did sort of weighted vest walks. Um, and there were five or six of us going from the UK to, the, to climb the mountains, so we would meet up and do some practice hikes as well with all our kit on to make sure that we... You know that we'd broken our equipment in, made sure our walking boots were were well worn really- in, and um, practiced with all our day bags and um, walking poles and all that fun so stuff.
0: So to take it a step deeper, so for, for your steps, let's say, so how many times would you scale that? So if you got a workout that day, uh, how how many times?
1: I would start on my fifth floor, go all the way up to 19, all the way back down to the ground floor, or first floor, I guess you would call it. We call it the ground floor, Um, and then all the way up to 19, and then back down to the fifth floor. So I guess I'm doing it twice.
0: Did you ramp up as you Uh, got closer, or was that pretty much the staple?
1: That was the staple, and I would 99% of the time when I came home, I would go up the stairs to the fifth floor. Um, So we'd be walking back home sometimes, Alan and I, and he'd, and he'd say, Oh, should we take the lift? And I'd say, No, there's no lifts on Killy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I was going to
0: say, Yeah, we, we we found a word. We found a... we
1: so take the elevator. El- I'd say, No, there's no elevators on Killy. So it's
0: a lift, it's called?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Got it. Um so uh, h- how many months did you train for this?
1: I found out I was going in January, and we went in June, so yes, five or six months.
0: Okay. So fast forward to day 1 of getting started. What was the how is everyone feeling about it once once it, you guys were going live?
1: Day 1 on the yes. mountain um yeah I think we were excited to get going we had quite a long drive from where we set off to get to the mountain and bizarrely we got lost so I was expecting the the locals it, it, you know it was a local driving the driving our bus to get to the mountain but I think there was some road closures so we got lost but So there was a a bit of a delay when we were very excited to get going and a little bit of frustration there that we couldn't just, you know, get started. Um, And the first day was quite a short hike. I think it was, I think we only hiked for an hour and a half, two hours maximum, I think, um, to get to the first camp. Uh, And it it was quite a shock how cold we were that very first night. So I had all my clothes on when I went to bed. Um, but the the scenery was was amazing and the the stars were so bright. There's very little light pollution out there and it, it was just magical.
0: So an hour and a half hike and then so what were the temperatures ballpark?
1: Um I think it would have been below freezing. Um I don't,
0: I don't know the exact same so, so was that a shock to a lot of the players to have that type of cold off the bat?
1: I think to some of the girls that um, lived in the Middle East, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not used to that. Um, but yeah, there's um, sort of just feeling our way and getting used to being there and just also getting to know each other so there are a group of 60 of us on the on the trek oh, together wow. they, they split us up into hiking teams just to make it easier to manage so we had um 12 uh, 12 in the team so five teams of 12 and i was in team tembo tembo is swahili for elephant so we were the elephant's And it was just, and we would eat together and hike together, so we we bonded quite quickly. And it was so that first day was sort of getting to know each other a bit more and having our our evening meal together, huddled in the mess tent together.
0: So were people excited? Were they nervous? Were they questioning their decision?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think both nervous and excited. Not not that I knew of questioning um but I think for me it was it was outside my comfort zone in quite a few ways obviously I'd I'd not hiked a mountain before um but also I'm not that familiar with camping so just getting my head around that and not having running water and how to open the tent door and just You know, just simple stuff like that that, um, just getting used to Boy, you had a
0: lot of firsts all at the same time, huh?
1: Yes, yes.
0: So, how many total days was the hike up?
1: It was, uh, the total hike up and down was nine days. We did seven days up and two days down. And that's, um a few days longer than what normal tourists would do on the mountain. I think normally it's five or six days total. We deliberately took longer about going up the mountain to acclimatise to make sure that we were going to be able to play the game. Um, So, yeah, so we did seven days up and we would generally do a half day hike each day. And then in the afternoon, we would either do an acclimatisation walk the idea being that you go up a little bit more, and then come back down to sleep. So that so you should hike. Um, what did they say? Hike high, sleep low. And we did a practice game halfway up the mountain one of the days, um, just to to get used to what it would feel like on our bodies to be playing at that altitude, or sort of not at the obviously the the altitude we'd be playing at, but at an elevated altitude.
0: So, day day two comes, and then how how long is that hike?
1: Oh, you're testing my yeah. memory now.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. so we you, you did they this would... this past June, right? So June seventeen. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, it was generally half day hikes, so sort of four or five hours. Um, one day we did a more of a full day um not including the day that we actually did the game and summited the mountain um uh that that day that we did a full day hike was was intense because it was very steep they deliberately go slowly so that you don't um go up too quickly and get altitude sickness um so at times it was frustrating how slow we were going when it seemed like quite an easy hike but you had guides with you to manage the pace and to set the pace. So they would take one step. And whereas normally when you're walking, you'd put your other leg in front of where you just stepped with your first leg. This was as if you were sort of walking down the aisle on your wedding day. So you'd just take one step forward and put the other other foot next to that first. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Which was a little bit frustrating on the early days when it felt relatively easy hikes and we were going really slowly. So was
0: this all in um, the hopes of, of acclimating those long? Yes.
1: Yeah. That's the idea. Um, and we went with a, a company that was very conscious of our safety. They wanted to make sure we made it in one piece. So they, um, took great care of us and every night after dinner they checked our the oxygen levels in our blood by there's a little device you can put on the end of your finger um to to i think it's called an oximeter i think um to judge your oxygen levels and took our resting heart rate as well which that got quite competitive as well so the two we had the two coaches for the teams uh in our in our group in team tembo Um, and they were, they were funny. They were very competitive against each other and sort of were competing on what, who had the lowest resting heart rate
0: between the two of them. It wasn't the teams. It was just the two of them.
1: Yeah. The two of them. I think they were like in the, their resting heart rate was in their thirties or forties. It was quite impressive when we were at such elevated altitude.
0: Yeah. That's very low resting heart rate. That's crazy. So, for the hike up what was what was the most challenging part? Where was the part where people were had funny looks on their faces and like, I don't know if this is such a good idea
1: The day that we played the game and went to the summit, we had a two a m wake up call. We had breakfast. They, like, the food on the mountain was amazing. We had basically three-course breakfast. So you'd have oatmeal, pancakes and eggs uh, and a bit of fruit as well. So we had that even at at two o'clock in the morning before we started our hike at three. Um, So we were in the dark, had our headlamps and we were trudging up the hill to uh, the hill, the mountain. (laughs) to um, get to play the game, which was near Stella Point um, on the mountain. So started at three, trudging for five hours up these switchbacks up the mountain. The first three hours was in the dark until the sun came up at about 6am. And the lift in morale at that point when the sun came up was, was big because yeah it was it was just a trudge and it was physically and mentally demanding just to keep going it was freezing freezing cold we had uh you know the camelback type um hydration where you have the the tube coming out of your yep, pack yep. Um, that those froze because it was so cold so you couldn't couldn't drink your water so we so for listeners,
0: uh, um, that's it, basically a, a backpack full of water, and it has a little straw, essentially, that comes out that you can suck off of once in a while. So uh, it's used a lot in hiking, and I have never heard a story once where that has frozen. So, yeah, that's pretty that's pretty cold. Um,
1: the You didn't want to stop for too long, so we were, it, it was exhausting because of the altitude and because of probably sleep deprivation, but our our rests were limited in that we didn't want to stay still for too long to get cold um so it had to keep moving uh the guide so we had it so each team hiking team so within our team Tembo, we had four or five guides with us who set the pace and sort of led the way and they were amazing they if they saw that you were struggling they would take your day pack off you so these were these were quite light bags because we gave most of our stuff to porters who carried that for you but they would t- the guides would take these packs off you if they saw you're struggling and carry it carry them themselves um generally looked out for you i would it was just a it was just a a slog for five hours and I think a lot of people really struggled so the elation when we got to Stella Point which was a, near where we played the game was was amazing it was very emotional lots of hugs lots of tears felt like that was by far the hardest part of the whole challenge um, I took to uh, reciting the square numbers in my head just to get through it. Oh yeah! So I one squared is one, two squared oh, is four, geez. all the way up to all the way up to twenty, <laughs> and background. I couldn't cope with going beyond. So 20. people weren't
0: really interacting and talking on that hike. Uh, it- no,
1: we had we had some songs that we sort of learnt as we were going up the mountain on the previous days, and I I think I I made a tentative attempt at. Uh, getting people singing one of those and there was no response it was just everyone was in their own heads just getting through it
0: so so this so you had to set up right so you had to go up so so this hike that you're describing here this is where you're going up and actually setting up the soccer field
1: yeah so we had a, a group of support team that went ahead of us to start to set up the pitch, okay. the field. Um, so, because it was a FIFA regulation game, in order to break the world record, we had to have um, a regulation size field. Um, we had to have full metal goals, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we had to have corner flags, which we used pike, um, hiking poles with flags on them. Um, they used flour for the, for the sidelines cause they didn't want, you know, to minimize any impact on the mountain and the natural environment. Um, so they'd gone ahead to set up the, set up the pitch for us.
0: So, um, so what were the, uh, criteria basically? So, obviously the field had to be a certain size. First of all, I'm amazed that there was this area that was large enough to put an official size football slash soccer field.
1: Yeah. About a hundred meters below the summit, there's a, a massive plateau. It's about the size of 21 football fields, soccer, soccer fields. Um, yeah, because I thought the same thing when they said do you want to you want to play at the top of Kilimanjaro. I was like, well, if the ball goes over the side, who's going to go and get yeah, it? Right. <laughs> but this is it's quite a large um, a large plateau there. I mean, it's not it's not ideal uh, surface for playing yeah. football. It's volcanic ash, so it was a lot of. Um, Sort of sandy, but very coarse sand with lots of pebbles and rocks in it, which made playing very difficult and led to the fact that the the score for the game was 0-0. 0-0. Zero, zero.
0: Unusual surface for all, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. So we had... Um, my friend Maggie had a, a one-on-one opportunity with the keeper and really should have scored. But because of the surface, she went to... She went to shoot and it just sort of dribbled pitifully along.
0: Took a, took um, a funny bounce or it just.
1: Uh... No, just because you'd go to kick the ball, but you'd kick the ground rather than the, the ball because. just because of the surface. Um, so you kind of had to toe punt the ball whenever you wanted to kick it. It was really hard to control.
0: So for the game itself, was that was that difficult at that elevation, or what?
1: For, for me, yes, it was difficult, but it was, for me, it was the easiest part of the day.
0: Really, okay?
1: Because I'd made the decision that I was not going to run at all. I was going to walk. I'm a defender, and I'd said to my coach, if if anyone gets past me or runs past me, I'm just going to walk, I'm not going to chase them." And she said, "Yes, that's the right thing to do." So I, f- I felt that I had permission to do that because um, it was when I mentioned we played a, a practice game when we were on on one of the earlier days, and I I did a, a sprint during the during the game in one of those, and I, I, that was me done for the rest of the day. It was I was physically a mess, so I knew that. I had to take it easy in the actual game so I just I walked everywhere so
0: explain a little bit so what does what does that feel like for the human body like what what is the reaction what does it start to do
1: um just like anything that you would normally be able to do is 10 times harder um a bit of shortness of breath, a bit of a headache, just this sort of underlying headache that doesn't seem to go away. Um, yeah, just lethargic and hard to do anything. And that lasts
0: for a full day, huh?
1: That lasted to some degree, the whole, well, definitely that day, but the days around it as well. Um yeah, it 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 was tough. It was dev- very tough. So
0: you all survive the su- all soccer survive. match. Yeah. Um, every, yeah. You know, the, so that goes well. Do do you have to? Are you responsible to break everything down and and bring that the equipment down, or is there a separate um, group that is in charge of all that?
1: Yeah, the the players didn't didn't do anything to help build oh, okay. the pitch. We had. So there were 60 of us in total, Um, about 25 to 30 of us were players and then we had the referee and the assistant referees and then everyone else was support, so they were the ones that helped um, build the pitch. So they they looked after that. And then shortly, well we, we had a bit of food after the game, after the final whistle had blown and we'd celebrated that we'd broken the world record and then they said oh it's it's gonna get dark pretty soon if you want to go to the summit you have to go now so we hadn't actually been to the summit yet we prioritized playing the game first um so it was a bit flustered like okay okay and sort of got my stuff together changed out of my cleats into my um into my walking boots and then the next hour and a half was to again trudge up to the summit and this time we were on quite a sandy terrain so you would it was like climbing up a sand dune you would take a step and then you'd slip back down because it was sandy it was it was so demoralizing i was i was basically in tears the whole way up because it was so it was so hard really yeah And then again, so you—I mean, remember we'd been up since two o'clock in the morning, had already had a five-hour hike, then we'd had a little bit of a rest, but then a a ninety-minute game of football, and then sort of the emotion and elation of of breaking the record, and then oh, okay, guys, now another hour and a half to get to the uh, to get to the summit. Um, I get. I get very emotional when I'm tired so that's why I was such a mess um and just the the physical exertion of putting one foot in front of the other um I've got a bit I've got a video clip of me at the top doing a I sort of did a little bit of a video diary as we went up and you can see just how exhausted I was and how emotional I was that how tough it was to do um and again I'd, I one of the guides in our group had taken my day pack off me because I was struggling and then not only that but he told me to put my finger in the loop of his bag so that I was sort of he was essentially dragging me up the mountain and as we were going I was thinking oh, is this cheating? Am I am I getting there of my own accord? Can I still say that I climbed the mountain? I kind of resolved in my head that yes, yes, it was okay to have a little bit of help. I was still getting there with my own two feet.
0: So was it worth it, getting to the top?
1: Oh, yeah. The views were amazing. There's some beautiful glaciers up there. Um I had my photo taken with the signs of the... Uh, classic photos in front of the Kilimanjaro sign to say you'd reached the summit. Um, but because you're at such a high altitude, you feel pretty ropey. So, you know, the headache and the exertion and the tiredness and exhaustion um, meant that you don't really want to hang around because you, you feel pretty um, unpleasant. So, and, and, it was we were in danger of getting back to the camp after dark if we didn't sort of do things pretty quickly. So we had the photos and then time to, to get back down the mountain and that was quite the experience, going back down to camp. So the, the terrain, again, was quite sandy, so it meant you could sort of ski down the mountain um, to sort of let your feet slide down. Um, which was a little bit scary because didn't always feel in control of how fast I was going. Uh, and your quads started to burn pretty quickly as well um, to sort of control yourself going down the mountain. But it was quite fun. So
0: how long was the hike down to back to camp?
1: I think it was about an hour and a half.
0: Okay. So, and that was beyond where the soccer field was, right? So, you had to get to the soccer field and then continue to to go down to drop an elevation?
1: That's right, yeah. So, we got back to camp just as the sun was going down at about 6 in the evening. So, it had been a, what's that, a 15 hour round trip. <laughs> it was, it was hard. It was a hard day. It was, um, it was physically the hardest day of my life.
0: So you mentioned the breakfast they had for you. Did they plan out all your nutrition as well? Did they map out everything to make sure that all of you had enough calories to survive?
1: Yeah, yeah they kind of force-fed us. They, uh, they kept saying, make sure you eat, make sure you eat. You're going to lose your appetite as you get further up the mountain. Um, that never happened. <laughs> uh, I still had my appetite. I felt a bit, um, so one of the symptoms of altitude sickness is nausea. So I was a bit nauseous, but luckily that happened after I'd eaten. So I still had appetite to eat is just after eating, I felt a bit, a bit funny, but the, uh, yeah. So they gave us a lot of food, um, dinner was sort of pasta or rice and some meat um, lunch was. What was lunch? Lunch was similar, I think. Struggling to remember. One night we had steak. And it was. I was so impressed. It was beautifully cooked. Just with these very um, scarce resources. Because obviously on the mountains. That's side, very impressive. And anything, that, anything that we had, they had to carry with them. We had a team of um, about what was it for about 400 porters was it 400 or 200 we had 40 porters per team so 200 200 porters so they're the ones that carry all the equipment all the tents all your um belongings that you didn't want to carry with you during the day um all the food these guys are amazing. So they'd pack up the camp for you after you'd finished up. Then they, you'd start um, hiking for the day. Then they'd whiz past you and have the camp ready for you at the next, the next place before you got there. Um, they were they were phenomenal.
0: So you've now come back down to camp after that long day. I'm, I'm sure everyone slept well that night so
1: yeah i think we're all in by about eight
0: <laughs> i can imagine so from then on you have a two-day hike from there to the to the base
1: yes so we did two half days down Um the first day or well, both days sort of through rainforest so it was it was raining because we were in the rainforest um which I lost my sense of humor a little bit on day eight, so the first day down um, that I was exhausted and was getting wet. And, yeah, just <laughs> that was a struggle that day. So had
0: everyone at that point, they hit the wall to some degree?
1: Um, I think, yeah, yeah, it was... Um, I think, and by that point, we were looking forward to a warm shower as well, because we'd gone eight days without having a shower. Um, it was, yeah, it was hard. And going down as well, you had to really concentrate as well, because it was quite, um sort of had to climb over boulders and stuff going down, and using your legs in a different way than you had for the previous week, going downhill as opposed to going uphill. Um and yeah the sort of you couldn't just walk and and switch off you had to really concentrate that you weren't going to lose your footing
0: so was the body cooperating on the way down or was it rather angry yes. at that point <laughs>
1: um i think it was protesting a bit but held it together
0: so you guys finish up your trip and um well i think one thing so th- this was for a cause, right? This is for for charity as well.
1: Yes, we wanted to. It's it's for an organisation called Equal Playing Field. So we want to raise awareness of the gender inequality in sports and in football in particular. So in some of the sort of the Middle Eastern and Asian countries, women and girls are actively discouraged from playing. Um, and then in the more in the Western countries like the UK and the US we want to raise awareness that women's sport is not covered to the same amount as it should be in the media and also the pay gap for women that play sport as well
0: so I take uh, the 30 of you had to get some press off of this correct and hopefully that that raised some awareness and drove some some dollars hopefully
1: yes Um, so being in various newspapers and TV programs around the world, um, in the UK, um, Maggie, my friend Maggie and Dina, who was on the trip as well, they both were on the BBC, which is the main, oh, you guys have heard of the BBC, haven't you? Yeah.
0: Um, so what was the, what was the response? So you raised this money. So how, how does that? How does that then get filter? How does that bring sports to these these countries?
1: Uh we've been running clinics in various countries around the world to um encourage girls and women to play sports. And our next project or challenge is now that we've played the highest altitude football match, we want to play the lowest altitude football match, so we'll be playing at the Dead Sea in Jordan. And um that'll be in end of March beginning of April next huh. year
0: so, sounds also... like we'll need a follow up podcast
1: <laughs> yeah exactly um, and we'll also be doing clinics in um in the Middle East and Asia for for girls and women in football as part of that Jordan project.
0: That's very cool. So what's the overall response been from uh, women attending these clinics?
1: They've really enjoyed it. Um, And it's great to get all these these girls and women that wouldn't normally play um, to say not only can you play, but you can play to whatever level you want to. And we had a, a mixture of ladies on the mountain in terms of what level we play at, so from... The grassroots level, all the way up to pros. So we had Laurie Lindsay, who's an ex-US um, international player, uh, and Rachel Unit, who's an ex-England player. Um, and it's just to try and inspire those women and girls, and saying, you know, you can you can do it if you want to, and to encourage and supply that infrastructure to give them the opportunity to do that. That's awesome.
0: So, for uh, the athlete peeps who are listening. If they uh, wanted to get involved and learn a little bit more, like where where could they go?
1: Uh, Our website is equalplayingfield.com. And if you feel so inclined, there's a donate button. And um, any donations would be very gratefully received.
0: Excellent. Excellent, excellent. Um, So I don't want to keep you too much longer. I want to make sure that you can... Get back to your day, but one thing: as I was, you know, reading up on, on you and your career, um, I I read that your father has been an important part into a lot of your games. Did, did he happen to make the climb to Kilimanjaro into your game? He did not. He <laughs> Shame. Did not.
1: He. <laughs> my dad's, my dad's been amazing. He has been to pretty much all every single game I've I've ever played um he was the one that found my club for me when I was eight years old and and wanted to play um he's always supported me he took me to training sessions and to each and every game um and has always supported me playing football um I've managed to injure my knee recently as so I haven't been playing. And I think he's, I think he really misses watching me play. Um, so even now when I'm 33 years old, he still comes to all my oh, that's games. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I feel very, very lucky that he has supported me so much and encouraged me and, um, taken me to to all the games when I was growing up and was reliant on them um, dad to be taxi and at the time I didn't really realize how lucky I was you kind of take it for granted when you're a kid I think because you see it as that's that's usual, you that's normal why would you why would you realize anything different um but as I've got older I've realized more and more just how lucky I've been to have his support
0: it's very cool well, if there's um, one thing, maybe it's particular women, maybe it's just athletes in general. If you had, a, obviously for your story here, climbing Kilimanjaro, I, I think persistence and uh, keeping on in just that mental toughness is was absolutely a huge component of what you did. Uh, what, what advice would you give to athletes when they are starting to hit the wall in some regard no matter where it is in their sport. What, 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 would you give them to, to keep on?
1: I think as long as you're enjoying it, then keep playing. Don't let anything get in the way and find a way to make it happen. I think it gets harder as we get older and we have jobs and families and other commitments. Um, but if it's important to you find a way to keep doing it yeah but also to have remember to have fun with it as well because there was a time earlier on in my career where I was playing at a high standard and it became just about winning and it took all the joy out of it um now I play because I enjoy it and the scoreline's important, but the most important thing to me is that I'm enjoying it and I'm getting out there and being active and having fun.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm a, I'm a basketball player and I've had a similar experience as you where I it was very competitive and it just wasn't as much fun. I still love the sport, but I, I took a hiatus and then came back and just view it differently and now just enjoy playing rather than the focus is always winning and doing everything perfectly
1: yeah definitely I took an eight-year break from playing um when I started working full-time and then since I've come back to it I've very much been focused on the enjoyment part as well as obviously wanting to win because I am the most competitive person you've ever met
0: <laughs> we should get out on the football field sometime soon I'll have to come over and you'll have to you know show me a thing or two.
1: Yeah, definitely, that would be fun.
0: Well, very good. Well, thank you so much, Katie. Um this your story is absolutely incredible and beyond inspiring. Um to to go through and take on a challenge like you did is just mind-blowing and the fact that 60 of you all took it on as a bunch is just beyond cool. Um so, uh, I, I was sorry, I had a follow up question that kind of popped in my mind. So, did the world record people have to come with you to the top of the mountain?
1: Um, they didn't. We had a device that proved what altitude we'd played at, and we had FIFA referees with us, all women ref- referees and assistant referees, who verified that the game had been played to the FIFA regulations. Um, so, then you have to re- submit a, a lengthy Form when we got back down to, um, so that they could ratify it and say that yes, this is a world record.
0: Yeah, sorry, I, I just always had that question. I was curious how they, how they verified these, <laughs> yeah, these things they, happen.
1: They didn't done with us.
0: <laughs> Very cool. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we should certainly follow up again once uh, you do your lowest elevation, because I'm sure there's going to be a whole different set of challenges that'll be just as interesting.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun. Thanks,
0: Katie. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.
0: Bye. Hey, athlete peeps. Thanks for hanging out for the podcast today. I realize you have lots of options, and I'm grateful to be a part of your day. Please hit that subscribe button and feel free to leave a review. I love your feedback. Now, get out there and be awesome. I'll see you next time.